Future World takes place a few years after the events of Westworld, when the Delos Corporation has their high-tech theme park once again open for business. It would be very easy to simply have the robots go on another killing spree, but the sequel instead offers some new ideas. So let's take a look. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I don't know why Tara's smiling as much as she is. It's kind of weirding me out, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> this is a science fiction movie podcast. I am Peter, and that smiling maniac over there that may or may not be a, a robot is Tara. Greetings, citizens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, so yes, we, we are still doing our, our, our number twos, our, our, our second films. Uh, month uh, where we are doing the sequel to Westworld today. We're going to look at Future World from 1976, uh, which is set a couple of years after the, the first film, and the park has reopened, uh, despite the fact that 50 plus people were murdered, <laughs> according to the information in this very movie. That's just not something I'm remembering from last time. They say that in this. Uh, but the premise is about a journalist and a reporter which I realize both those words kind of mean the same thing, but they are different in this context. One's a TV reporter, one's a, a a written word journalist. Yeah, I think one's like very much supposed to be a Barbara Walters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they are basically given a free pass to go and check out the park because the Delos Corporation want good PR because people are a little scared to go to the park after 50 people were murdered by their animatronics. Yeah, I, I wonder why. Anyway, we'll start spoiler-free as we always do. That's the basic premise. We'll get into it. I'd never seen this before. Tara, had you seen this before? I have seen it before. I saw it last year because I went to Comic-Con and I bought the poster, (laughs) which is hanging at that gray one there. That's the Future World poster. I thought the poster was so cool, and I'm like, well, if I'm going to hang it on my wall, I should probably watch the movie. You should probably see if you hear it. (laughs) Yeah, for all you know, you could have bought that poster and watched it and realized it was like horrendously bad for like animal cruelty or something, and you'd have felt horrible about it. <laughs> it is a really cool poster, though. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't quite see it, but I guess I, I could have taken it down just for this. But you know, yeah. you go look it up. It's it's a it's a cool poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd never seen this before, unlike Westworld, which you know I'd seen a couple of times before we sat down to to watch it again and talk about it. This was uh, my maiden voyage. Uh, Peter Fond is here uh, playing Chuck. He's the, the, the journalist. And Blythe Danner is playing Tracy, the reporter, who seemed familiar. And when I looked her up, um, she's the mum from Meet the Parents. Uh, yeah. Obviously much older than that, because that's like, you know, she's turn of the She's also century. the mother of Gwyneth Paltrow, which is probably why she looks familiar. Because <laughs> ah, she looks a yeah. lot like her mom. <laughs> it may be that. It may be that. That, that. I mean, that was it for the names that I recognised, really. Uh, but yeah, me too. So, uh, but they are some big names. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Don't be wrong. I'm more of a Henry Fonda man than a Peter Fonda man. Well, I mean, who isn't? You know, uh, Easy Rider. I thought was just a slog to sit through. I thought that movie was so boring. <laughs> and like Peter Fonda, not Peter Fonda. It was not... important for the time it came out. You know, big independent thing. There's just you know. Call Free me, spirit. Call me crazy. Just even like a slight plot. Don't bogart that man. A slight plot <laughs> would be lovely, is all I'm saying. Just, just a, I don't need like an in-depth what you, plot. What do you hate indie movies all of a sudden? I love indie movies. I love indie movies that have got a story. 
<laughs> that aren't just riding bikes for two hours and occasionally sit in that fireplace. <laughs> it's of its time. Uh-huh, yes. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we'll just get into like our, our general feelings, and we'll we'll go from there. Um, Tara, how do you feel about Future World? I'm actually surprised that I like it because I feel like it should be worse than it is. It's definitely not as good as the first one, but I think like some of the discussions that we had were coming back to me when I was watching this from the first movie. It was like, mm. oh, because we kept comparing it to the TV show. It's like, look at all the other things that the TV show explores because of the sci-fi concept. And I think this one actually does delve into a lot of those concepts. So, some of it, yeah, yeah. There's definitely... I mean, if nothing else with this sequel, you can't argue that it doesn't try and do different things with its premise rather than just, you know, the robots go wild again. Like, it's not that. That's not what happens in this movie. I don't think that's a spoiler. Yeah, it, it's actually, just a lot of it is kind of boring because you're just like, that's, okay, that's one just of the problems. through the park and they're investigating <laughs> things, but like... When does the scary stuff happen, you know? I actually, I think there's a couple of things in this that are objectively better than the first movie. And mm -hmm. that's not to say that I'm super enthusiastic about it as a whole, because I do think there's stretches of it that are really dull. And we'll talk about that when we get into the spoilers. Um, but, and there's definitely some, you know, problems with it. But quite early on, it took time to introduce its two main characters in the real world before they went to the park. And immediately I was like, oh, I'm quite hopeful for the rest of this now because my number one complaint about Westworld was that the main characters were barely characters. They were just guys there on a trip. Just guys on a train. They were, yeah. yeah, like they didn't have really have a... Whereas these characters at the start are like, we're investigating something, we've got a purpose, there's a conspiracy. Yeah, they've got, they got backgrounds for yeah. sure. They've and they, they know each other, so they have a good rapport already from the beginning. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've got goals. I think that's the big thing, is that there's something that they're trying to achieve. And immediately that's like, oh, okay. I, I'm actually more into these characters than I ever was the characters in the last movie. Um, unfortunately, yeah. the pacing does take a hit, because once they actually get to the park, there's like, there's like a good like 10 minute section of just like kind of montaging around the three different worlds. And just like, there's nothing really interesting happening. It's just kind of like going for a while. <laughs> it's like, here's this one guy who's went to, you know... A medieval world he's this other one who's went to uh roman world and there's just nothing interesting happening it's kind of it's almost like it's like hey look at how marvelous all these these worlds are but they're not really from like an audience perspective because they're just sets they're just you know they're they're not like uh like it'd be one thing if these worlds all look like they were legitimate like production values of movies set in those different things right like mm -hmm. if they went because you know, obviously future world they're on like a space station or whatever um it'd be one thing if it went there and then all of a sudden look at 2001 a space odyssey <laughs> right uh, and i'm picking movies that yeah. were already existed <laughs> at the time rather than new films because obviously we're, we're dealing with you know effects at the time there's uh, some there's some fun effects though in this and i think the production value is better than it should be also or that you would expect it to be and well i think the fact that they got peter fonda in the lead role says they were trying to make it a big movie even mm -hmm. if it feels like it is kind of a tacked on sequel in some ways they did want to do something uh so it does get kind of weird at some points as well uh which we'll talk yeah. about uh so we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get into all of that stuff uh, once we're, we're talking about spoilers um but the concepts are are solid like the, the idea of what they're doing is something that like we said we were kind of bringing these ideas up um certainly when we talked about the first movie 
and it's definitely something that comes up in the tv show that existed much much later so it seems like the tv show might have even actually have taken some ideas from from uh this one or alternatively yeah. the ideas are just like yeah of course you would do that idea it's an obvious thing to do with the premise right. yeah. Yeah, yeah so no um not bad and yeah the other yeah, tullies had some decent chemistry yeah they're both really good actors so it, it's fun to watch them um and they have you know establishes that they have history together that they are you know they like being around each other and so and they also like they are very different from each other so they both have although they kind of have the same goal they both go into the park with different like different ideas and the what they get out of it is different they have a bit of rivalry as well because like she's not happy to see him at the start of the movie it's very much like they had a breakup or something and like oh not this asshole why is he here and then she's lumped with him for the rest they're they're going for a little bit of that uh sam and diane obviously it's they wouldn't call it that at the time because it's pre-cheers but you know what i mean there's a little bit of that to their chemistry uh where there's a bit of a rivalry but i mean i mean the chemistry's there um the effects are very hit and miss for me like at one point in the film there's a there's a robot walking around missing its face right and it's just like the mechanical parts you know in the hole that's left when you take off one of their faces and the rest of the head because obviously this is an actor who's got a prosthetic thing in his face and it's got all over his head because it's a bald head the skin looks really fake and it really stuck out to me especially because his hands weren't like if i was doing the effects for this i'd have covered his hands in the same material so his hands matched it but i agree because his hands look very real and they look very pink and like the rest of him is this like flat cream color yeah skin and it has zero dimensions where his hands like especially there are points where his hands like touch his face and you're like yeah just take the mask off yeah it's, it's, there's a disconnect and it happens as well every, every time you see like an arm or something there's a disconnect between how real the robots are when it's just a human being playing them versus when there's like a body part that's a prosthetic where this looks so much flatter and faker than the real arm whereas you know i i, I do think it's possible maybe it wasn't done as much at this time period yet but there's definitely examples of like very realistic arms that have got hair on them and stuff that have been made uh you know and for movies you know certainly in the years since yeah, I wonder how good it was in the first Westworld because I don't re- really remember talking about that. It still uh, has. It, this is still in that period, also where like, whenever you see blood, it's way too bright, way too red, uh, way too tomato soup colored. What's funny, actually, I thought the opposite. I thought it looked too pale. That's, that tends to be what I think when I see blood in this time period. I would describe it as too pale for blood. It looks like red paint. It doesn't yeah. look like um, it, it doesn't have the right kind of viscosity or even like transparency but like there's something yeah it's something it's too i would say it's too bright like it's just too much of a true red color i think we're disagreeing how to describe it because i would say it needs more color it looks like the red on your shirt right now to me that's what the fake blood from this time looks like hmm Uh, what's interesting this is a 1978 movie which does have a lot of bad looking fake blood in it but it's a fantastic (laughs) movie though uh and all only kill people is that a dawn of the dead shirt it is a dawn of the dead shirt and only kill people have seen dawn of the dead from 1978 oh i've seen dawn of the dead from like 2003 or whatever <laughs> with the zack snyder one <laughs> you you wound me you wound me i'll work on it all right i'll, I'll get through i've seen the first night of the living dead more than once oh the black and white original mm-hmm. okay okay Okay, I'll accept They're that. They're coming to get you, Barbara. 
Yes, yes. That's it. It's a line. Uh, although I'm not sure you've just not seen Shaun of the Dead and are just quoting that because it's referenced in that movie. I didn't know what the reference was until I watched uh, Night uh, of the Living Dead, which I've seen once on its own, but I've seen a couple of times with Riff Charm. That's fair. Uh, how did the joke? How did the jokes go when it's a movie that's obviously fantastic? Like, uh, they, like, do they like make jokes that are positive? <laughs> I mean, they make a lot of obvious jokes from okay. the time. All right, okay. I'll just... It's still the same thing, you know. It's, it's still zombies, uh, cheap zombie jokes. I, I suppose. I suppose. Uh, that's I mean, movie... funny. I like watching riff tracks for movies that I like, and they, I think they like doing riff tracks for movies that they like. I'll take a back round to, to Future World. The movie, uh, before the opening title sequence, uh, there's a game show. Like, the opening scene is a guy on, like, a very 70s-looking game show winning. He's got a big check that he's been handed, and the guy's like, but not just that, uh, Mitch, or whatever your name is, um, you have won an all-expense-paid trip to Delos World! Whee! You can go to Future World, a Roman... And it, I love how the presenter goes into, like, PR mode, where he's literally just, like, narrating, like, the footage yeah. that's playing of these three different worlds that are on offer. Spa World! <laughs> it's like, you Which, get for me, like, there. that sounds like the best one. I mean, obviously, I would want to go to Future World. I would want to go to a space simulator. Yeah. But Spa World sounds pretty nice, too. Sp- space sounds the most fun to me. Um... I've just always inherently been more excited about spaceships than I have about any period in history. Not that periods in history aren't cool. They can be, well, but... Well, Spa World sounds like a place where you just pretend to be an Olympic god and you, like, lay in a bath and people <laughs> feed you grapes. Like, that sounds nice. Um, <laughs> this is the sort of thing... And apparently thing... it makes you younger, or at least believe you're, that you're younger. This is the sort of thing, though, that, uh, like, if they were making these movies now, they'd probably try and do, like... You know how, like, Warner Bros. when we did Space Jam 2, we're going to bring all of our properties in? Like, now it would be like, oh, there's DC World over there, and then over here is Looney Tunes World, and over there is, you know... called It's called Disneyland. Well, I, I know theme parks, actually, but I'm <laughs> saying it would be like that, but there's, like, animatronics of, like that are up to the standard of these robots that are interacting with you, and you could go and beat up some Joker goons or something <laughs> and be a superhero. Sounds great. See a bunch of overweight, like, middle-aged men with their back grapples, like... <laughs> Do you have extra sturdy back grapple wire cables to, like, hold my extreme weight? See if it... <laughs> yes, my favorite is always the Spider-Man, the obese Spider-Man, the one where it's just a ball mm. with the costume stretched over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I was thinking that that's totally what it would be. Um, you know, our Game of Thrones world would be there. So that that'd be your medieval one. You'd have Game of Thrones to fill in medieval world. Yeah, we'd have dragons. You'd have big dragons. Yeah. Was it was that in one of the seasons of Westworld? Were there dragons in one of them? That's a good question. Um, I don't remember. I I remember Shogun World. I remember. There, but there was a medieval one. I think there was. I don't know if we saw much of it, but it's been a while now since I've watched those first. No, three I want to say it's like a season three thing. Yeah. They must have a dragon. Because <laughs> in HBO, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't miss I mean, that reference. Do you think they would just literally, like, email them and go, hey, can you send over one of your dragon CG models so we can just plop it into a scene, please? Thank you. Yeah, they'll, they'll just make it white and pretend that they're building it out of uh, a bathtub. Uh. <laughs> bit by bit. Oh, dear. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if there's much more to say about this, and you know, without getting into spoilers, because I feel like because it's a mystery where they're unraveling what's going on, and you know, Delos is up to something. You know, the movie kind of starts with like a whistleblower character coming to Peter Fonda and being like, "Delos, they're doing something." Um, and then he turns meet, up. Meet me at this place. Yeah. yeah, he turns up. Like honestly, one of my first yeah, critiques that I had mentally for this movie was just how ridiculously quick this guy turned up dead. Like he phones him and says, "Come and meet me. I've got something about Delos I need to tell you." And he's like, yeah, all right, okay, this is my Watergate moment. And he goes to this meeting place, and the guy just stumbles into this public place, falls down, and he's got blood on his back. And I'm like... Tomato soup on his back. It's like, that was quick. <laughs> like, maybe it, like, maybe just, like, build up to, like, the main character, like, sort of wondering why he's late or something. You know, build some suspense out of the moment, you know? like Yeah. Yeah, but it's just, it's so quick. Uh, that said, though, it still starts off this thing where it's, like, okay, we're setting up this purpose where this guy wants to investigate... Uh, we get the cynical reason why Dallas want journalists to go there. They want good PR. It it, it made me think of, um, in a weird way, Jurassic Park. Uh, obviously, we compared Jurassic Park a lot in the first movie because it's the same author. But it, it, just in the sense that that movie's about bringing experts to sort of write off and say, hey, no, this place is legit. It's the real thing. We endorse it kind of thing. They, they basically want this PR like turnaround by like, oh, no. You know, our numbers are okay, but they're not as good as they should be because everyone's scared of being shot. So we want you to write some puff pieces <laughs> saying how great Delos World is. Yes. So. It is a little Jurassic World also, right? Like, we had this park. It was We had big plans. We were very mm-hmm. excited. Um, but then the dinosaurs got loose and ate people, and it was a big mess. It was a huge PR failure, and we probably shut... We're going to shut it down because we shouldn't play God. And then someone's like, but what about all the money we could make? And let's just build it bigger. And we'll learn from our mistakes, we swear. You know? Mm. <laughs> they kind of do the same thing with this, oh, where the that... setup is we made it bigger and better and safer. That's what was missing in this. You know how in Jurassic World, they have that big main strip for all the, the, the guests, right? And there's like a Starbucks and a Krispy Kreme and all these other like brands. What they should have had in this is like, when you go into like Westworld, there's a saloon that says Starbucks. And it looks like a saloon, but when you go in, they serve Starbucks drinks. That's cute. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they, they should have. Total. I mean, okay, maybe maybe all these brands weren't as open to that sort of idea this time period. Hey, but. even Disneyland has a Starbucks inside of it. <laughs> oh, I'm not, that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, not not Disneyland, but California Adventure across from it has Starbucks. In Honestly, it. And of course, the downtown Disney does. I am surprised there's not th- like five in every part of the park. To be honest. There, there used to be, and I, I loved this. They got rid of it, but there was this wagon outside of Big Thunder Mountain that would sell just McDonald's French fries. It was just the McDonald's French fries wagon. Uh, you go into Frontierland and you go get your McDonald's French fries and go buy today. Yeah, McDonald's French fries are overrated. Uh, disagree. I'm, not, I'm there for the burger. I don't give a shit about the French fries. Okay. <laughs> I've always been a big fan of McDonald's French fries. I can't eat them though because they're not vegan. I don't know why they put like beef stock in them, but only in America they do that. I don't know why. <laughs> it, it doesn't have enough cholesterol, so <laughs> I guess just make it worse for us. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they're, they're missing out on a lot of branding. Uh, actually, one of the things that comes up in the movie is that they're not allowed to take in cameras and take photographs. And that, like, almost felt really strange to me, because I feel like, at least from a modern world perspective, like, a big part of these theme parks is that, you know, people taking photos and putting them on Twitter and shit 
is like just free marketing like they mm-hmm. love that there's like look at all the happy memories that everyone's having at our place you know they love that stuff yeah but it is a place that's very seedy like mm. you come there to do terrible things so if you take a picture of someone else doing something bad uh, true, then that true. could be used against them like look at the, look at who this person really is when they're in when they have free reign you know they they murder they rape and... mm. which, which is something the movies both this and uh, westworld do kind of like only kind of touch because obviously the tv show like goes all in on that like it shows just how horrible some of these people are with some of the things they do the contest winner or the game show winner though like i i mean he opens with that he's just like i can't wait to screw everything well uh, he does (laughs) who are you gonna have sex with when you get in the park (laughs) yeah but he he, i think that's different though because the show is like people who actually are getting off on hunting people and actually assaulting them this guy's just like oh i'm excited to have sex with a robot i can't wait and then as soon as he gets off the the little uh, train he goes up to the the the, the robot host who's like welcoming him he's like oh hey baby and she's like oh sorry i'm not a sex robot but you'll find many to have fun with inside the park yeah i love how <laughs> how like frank her delivery is too mm. like I, i'm just here to help you <laughs> i'm only a 500 model we're not designed for lovemaking <laughs> does that mean she's got like barbie doll parts there's just just plastic <laughs> maybe no no uh no no entry please go over there <laughs> uh anyway so we should probably say spoilers so we can actually start talking about the the plot and everything that goes on uh, in the movie um so we, we did you know we've kind of covered the summit start i love actually so after the whole whistleblower thing where the guy shows up dead and that's what sets peter fonder off on his his thing is he storms into a meeting at this tv studio where the guy from uh, delos is saying and he's explaining the parks reopened they're doing okay but they should have more customers um you know, although they, they do keep saying that, like, the price of 1200 a day is clearly a rich person's price. So there's no reason, you know. That's 70s, 1200 also. Yeah, that's a lot. That, that's got to be, like, five grand plus, maybe even more than that in today's, today's money. Probably. Uh, so, uh, he just storms in. But I love this business room. That's the meeting room. because The, the table. Yeah. The table's so good. <laughs> so, it's a big, you know, oval table, right, when they're all sitting around it. But the middle of the table rises up and has, like... You know, probably about eight TVs all facing off in the different directions. Yeah, for a TV for at least two chairs, right? Yeah. Um, to, and this is what they're showing their little show reel of Delos World on, and then it goes back down at the end of the scene, and I'm like, for 1976, this is like high tech shit. Like, I, that's, that, like you, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was yeah. a pretty cool design. I don't know if that's a real table or something for like the movie, just know, made IBM it, yeah. at the time, <laughs> or if it was like, no, we need to make it look like it's futuristic, so let's put TVs in the middle of this uh, console. Which is, which is funny from our perspective, because it looks and feels so 70s otherwise. <laughs> like, yeah, you've got this thing, yeah. and you, you've got the, obviously this the technology rope. placed into wood. Yeah. <laughs> wood everything. Um, that said, obviously it feels plausible. You could build this. There's no reason why you can't have this. It's just a mechanism. That's all it is. Yeah, no, I agree uh but i was like oh that's kind of neat I'm, I'm into this um give me it <laughs> yeah, i agree yeah i was gonna take a picture and send it to you like this table is freaking cool <laughs> yeah the only difference now would be is it would be like uh probably like a, a circular led screen that goes all the way around it and it would just like display it on each side you know whatever yeah. the image is yeah it would just be like a glass surface and you can look down or whatever yeah but no fun, fun all the same um 
but yes, so he 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 comes into this meeting, sits down. Uh, uh, Tracy's not happy to see him, and it's it's afterwards, but they're talking to her boss, and she's like, "Why is this scumbag here?" And he's like, "Because uh, he he wants to go along. He's got a lead that I think he should pursue, uh, and I've agreed to do it. And also, you're my employee. Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> also, shut up and do what you're told, woman. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you could read it. I, I did sort of read it more as no, she's really pushing her luck here as like talking to her boss this way. So he does just kind of like, I, yeah. I would say this is him getting more just no, I'm the employer, so shut up. Uh, yeah, I think it's like maybe she thinks she has more power than she does because she's like the host, the, the yeah. face of the TV that everyone sees. So, and to be fair, I think her character does come across as quite likable. Um, I think she's got a bit of that Lois Lane charm where she's thinking she's got more power than she does but when she's trying to use the power she doesn't have it's a little endearing as opposed to being like unlikable you know at least it comes off that way to me i I actually i really like her flirting scene uh, that we get in a little bit i mean that's kind of a standalone there's a scene where they're so because because they've been invited to like review the place they're getting some behind the scenes access so they're being shown around the control room and whatnot um, the control room that we've been seeing the whole time anyway. Yeah, but there's a second secret control room that's further down in the basement that they don't know about. Right. <laughs> but they go in, and Peter Fonda's like, hey, we, we we need to investigate. Why don't you, like, befriend one of these guys that work at the computers, and we'll, uh, you know, we can use that for access. Like, do you think you can still attract someone? Have you forgotten? It's like, have I forgotten? I'll knock someone. So-. And she goes over and tries to flirt with this guy, and she's like, hey, it must be lonely working here. And she's, like, biting her lip, and she's, like, looking really interested. And she's kind of hot in that scene. I don't know. <laughs> ah, <laughs> for, for the mom from Meet the Fockers or Meet the Parents or whatever. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if she talked to me like that, she could have whatever she wanted. Uh, <laughs> but she, he, he, this guy just, like, doesn't even look at her. He just keeps saying, no, um, not really. I'm really lonely. Go away. <laughs> like, he's just he's just completely blank face. To the point where yeah, she goes, he goes straight back to work, yeah. really, like mid sentence. <laughs> like, lady, over, I've already told you no. She goes back over to Peter Ford and says, uh, "Why don't you try? I don't think he likes women." <laughs> <laughs> but watching her get annoyed that it's not working is what makes it entertaining. It's not. It's not that she's being yeah. ignored or turned down. It's that she was confident she could seduce him, and immediately is just being completely. And to be fair, I think. I mean, it depends who it is, I suppose. But I think a lot of normal enough people, even though in theory, like, yes, I would like a random woman to come up and try and seduce me. I think in a real world scenario, part of me would be like, wait, this why? This isn't the place. You're like... a stranger. Why are you like, this is very flattering, but why are you talking to me? Well, it's not even like, it's not even like sitting in like a social place. I'm not even talking about like a bar. Like he's not even sitting like, you know, having a nice day off in the park, right? He's yeah. sitting at a computer working. He's at his job. Yeah. <laughs> next to other people who are doing the exact same thing and they are like legit always working like they're always yeah. talking over the mic they're always staring at the screen like looking at what's going on monitor like the monitors or whatever they're always monitoring yeah so it's not like he's not doing anything so we find out quite quickly though that these are all robots too and yeah. part of the solution so that there won't be any more accidents is to have robots also run the place which as little human error as possible Right. Yeah, but it wasn't a human error the last time, though, so this feels like a terrible idea. I just don't idea. remember what it was last time. I mean, they said human error, but I couldn't remember. I don't think it was. I think it was just... You think it was just a glitch? I think it was a glitch, and I think it was, like, you know, like, the people being mean to... Like, Yul Brenner's, like, you know, gunslinger. He was kind of out for revenge, almost, because of the way he was being treated and 
that it was always the. I, always, I don't know. Thing. I always thought that it was just more cold machine. Now he can't die, so he's just programmed to be the villain. So he just kept being the villain. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's the point. Is that he, he kept trying to hurt people because that's what he's programmed to do. It's just that there was a safety net in place to stop him from actually doing it. Yeah. Uh, whereas now he was just like running wild. But it spread to all the other uh, robots, though. So. It's true. So it wasn't just him. It was definitely something that was changing. It was just whatever the kill switch was was engaged. Anyway. Before they couldn't kill. Um, so yeah, we find out they're all robots, but uh and, you know, they they come to the park, they agree to work together, uh they're being introduced to various things. We see like them put on their astronaut outfits because they actually go into like a space looking shuttle thing as if it's going to take off. I don't know how they transition them from that to their, you know, set that's more like a space station. But you know, like I kind of almost wish they went into that a bit more, like does it actually feel like you're lifting off in this thing for a bit before the Well, go we elsewhere? get the shot of the of the people on the monitors who are like going and they're going through the steps like, okay, increase vibration so that it feels yeah. like they're actually taking off or whatever. And then like, okay, act activate uh, zero gravity in like six seconds or whatever and stuff. So what? you, you hear them like going through the steps. Which by we the way we don't really get to see the process, we just get the narration of what their jobs are. Are we even going to uh, acknowledge the fact that just turn off gravity button was a <laughs> was a thing they can just do? <laughs> it's the future. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> um, and then they're simulating Mars later. They go skiing on Mars at one point. You only see it briefly, but... Uh... It's the, I thought that scene was cute. Yeah. Um, it's... Like, even the snow is red on Mars. I'm pretty sure it's not actually snow. I'm just going to... It should be like it's permafrost, right? That's the only huh. thing on Mars. It's like frozen CO two. Yeah, yeah. Because because snow would be specifically well water, basically water. Yeah. So yeah. and last night, I mean, no, they found ice on the moon. Did they find ice on Mars? Or maybe they did find ice on Mars. I don't know. But it's not it's not an abundance. If we found ice, it was it was like one little pocket we found. You know, it wasn't. Well, yeah. There there is water like in the. In space, like comets have water, mm. and I think that's where we get our water from originally. I think. Anyway, it just I felt like this movie was like, oh yeah, there's Alps on Mars where you can go ski, <laughs> and it's obviously it's not really Mars because they're not actually on Mars, but you know, yeah. <laughs> we'll just we're just going to shine a big red light on this snow, and yeah, you're going to pretend it's Mars. Yeah, everything is red on Mars. It's like the it's like the the Total Recall version of Mars. I feel like a more suitable thing to do would be like to have like rover races because that feels like something you would do on Mars. You'd have a rover if you're an astronaut and you'd be... Yeah. You know? Although the idea of skiing with a, a third of the gravity does sound kind of nice too. Yeah, although I did, I did question though, like, are you? I mean, the fact that they've got turn off the gravity in the space shuttle thing means they probably do. But I was thinking, do you actually have one third of gravity when you're in there skiing though? Because we're not actually on Mars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Future World is definitely the most complex of the worlds. It's well, let's be honest, it's the most bullshit. <laughs> as far as like a real world goes, it's the most bullshit as far I as I don't the know. There was one where like there were an old couple in the spa world drink from a the a spring water or whatever, and they both hallucinate that they're young and attractive and wearing different <laughs> clothes. <laughs> uh that's that's true, that's true, yes. Um 
but yeah, there's this like kind of montage around here where it's just like cutting around, and you see like the the Japanese businessman's in uh, the the medieval world, I guess he was in, uh, having a he sword to fight. Bring his sword. He couldn't bring his katana. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't authentic to the time period. You see, they can't have, uh, you know. Well, they have special blades, right? Yeah. Oh, that too. So yeah, of course. So you don't actually hurt anyone. Yeah, just in case you accidentally pick a fight with a real person that's not a robot and you don't realize. Yeah. Uh, um, so, from here, it does slow down a little bit. Uh, they do a lot of little gimmicky things where they're on the space station, like, sort of set, and they're playing chess, and they've, like, filmed, like, actors in, like, red and yellow outfits pretending to be the chess pieces, and it's like when they move a chess piece, they'll just say, you know, knight to whatever, and, like, they'll actually have a little sword fight on the board, and it's, it's, like... I don't know if I like this or hate it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm off two minds. <laughs> I thought it was adorable. Because they're like, okay, uh, my castle to your knight or whatever. And it like it's a guy like shooting an arrow off from like a castle mm. wall to the knight. <laughs> and then the knight just fades away. I think what gets me about this is, and this is again, maybe just like a modern context thing, is that to me, this just, is just like, we're going to take chess, but add in little cutscenes that just make it longer. That don't really add it into the game. <laughs> I think they wanted to do like a hologram, but they couldn't, mm. so instead they just filmed actors in a in a dark room on a giant <laughs> chessboard, <laughs> and then superimposed it onto this table in front of the other actors, so they could yes. pretend they're playing chess. <laughs> uh, they also have like a a boxing game where they like just have like their oh hands. Oh my god, in I love gloves. this so much! <laughs> and there's like two robots in the in this glass box with the boxing gloves, just punching each other whenever they're you know doing the moves. Yeah, two robots. I mean, it's just two actors inside trying to be in sync, mm-hmm. like like real steel style. I thought that was. I I actually really loved that. I thought that uh, was really fun. Yeah, it was rock'em sock'em robots, but with two humans, <laughs> basically. <laughs> two two beefcakes yeah. fighting it out. <laughs> Oh dear, uh, so yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I feel like I'm going to gloss over sections here because there are sections where not a lot happens for like five, ten minutes. Does that? I think that's the problem with the pacing is that there's a lot of like interstitial stuff between the important beats, um, because you know them them asking their questions, her trying to flirt with the guy, like that's all entertaining stuff, um, and obviously when they eventually go snooping, that's interesting too because you know they. They, they go snooping a couple times. Uh, they end up in the old West World, which is kind of like derelict now, uh, early mm-hmm. on. Um, but so I may not be talking about all these events completely in order, but I I, I would like to talk about uh, the weird dream machine thing that comes up a, a bit later. But okay. it's um, they're like, hey, we've got this fancy. It's where dream we get thing. a cameo. We get well. I actually think technically that so. I'll explain that later. But I, I think Yul Brenner's character is technically there in a lot of the movie. It's just, I think he's supposed to be him anyway. And mm-hmm. it's just not him actually playing him because his face is missing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's, there's like this machine where, like, hey, we put someone in here and we can watch what they're dreaming. And, uh, you know, what's her name? Tracy's like, yeah, I'll do it. I, I could use the footage for uh, the, the TV piece. That would be great. And,. This is actually the night after they've just had sex, right? So they've finally sort of like gotten uh, all cozy with each other. It's and... also, I guess it's also the night after they've been abducted, which we'll get back into. 
but that is an important part. Yeah. I think it's like two nights because it's the night after that where they go snooping and meet uh, the, the maintenance guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll and go then back then. Yeah. And then it's the next day where they go to the stream machine thing. But uh, so there's a couple of jokes here where Peter Fonda's like, I don't think I'm ready to see what she's dreaming about. And for some reason, she's dreaming of Yul Brenner's robot from the first movie. Like, and I'm like, does she know him? Did she ever see him? Like, is this something? Yeah, it was in the 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 um, conference room scene when they is were talking that... about what happened to Delos before, and because because oh, she has okay. she has a reaction to seeing him. Yeah, because and then I so think she that. has like even another flashback or a dream or a hallucination or something where she sees him walking down the hallway and it's just like his eyes are glowing slightly or like it's like a reflection like a like a cat has so or something in it this one little montage of seeing him and that footage at the start of the movie was enough to put this man into her dreams for what i can only describe as weirdly kind of erotic but also really surreal uh dream stuff it's a very bizarre scene I mean, it has to be if you're going to film a dream, I guess. But also, like, does it have to be in this movie? Because <laughs> he, 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 he comes in and saves her from... Uh, interesting, I suppose. Like, she's kind of, like, subconsciously, like, like realized that she was abducted before. Because, like, p- the bad guys in her dream are the guys wearing the red cloaks that were abducting her when she was asleep before. Uh, but Yul Brenner, like, shoots them and saves her. And then he, like, puts a red string around her and they dance while this red string's around her. And then they're kissing on the bed. And then she wakes up kind of soon after that but but, before things get too hot yeah. yeah but it's like a really <laughs> weird sequence and i was like why is this here other than just to give like as a yule brenner scene where he's there like you know bed. what it reminded me of terminator yeah. 2 really yeah where <clears throat> sarah connor sees the t1 the t100 the t whatever it is the arnold schwarzenegger coming towards her and she thinks he's the bad guy who by the way arnold based his performance on yule brenner's performance in westworld and all of a sudden instead of killing her he saves her by killing all the delos people okay sure um that's a bit different this is a bit different than says though it's a dream sequence so he's not actually turned out to be good he's just mm-hmm. she, she, no she... I, I think it's just like it, it's just a yeah. a hunch that she has or subconscious you know that is telling her something else is, there's something else that she should be afraid of or whatever mm. but Whereas in Terminator 2, it's like, it's actually yeah. happening. I, I, I get that part. I get the subconscious, like, you know, she kind of knows something else is wrong. And that's like a a thing. Um, Actually, since we brought up that conference room scene again where they're watching the TVs, I do actually have something I want to say about that. It's one of my pet peeves. I hate it. I hate it so much. All this footage they're watching of what happened in the park in the first movie is literally just the shots in the first movie. And I'm like, why do you have this footage? What, why do you have this footage of Yul Brenner walking down the hallway with the glowing eyes? <laughs> it's so I, I hate it when movies and TV do this. I it's, know, It's I so know. fourth it wall happens, breaking. It happens a lot. I feel like it still <sighs> happens in more modern shows sometimes. It does sometimes, yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's less... I thought we were past this. <laughs> yeah. I think it's less why, common. Why are your security cameras edited so well? <laughs> oh, that's the, yeah, that's the thing that really bugs me is that it's edited like who's editing this between multiple shots if it's like supposed to be security footage yeah mm. so it's a real pet peeve but uh, i had to mention it mm-hmm. uh so yeah the, the other big thing of course we mentioned there is that yeah the first night they go to sleep like everyone all the guests get kidnapped uh presumably they're gassed or whatever to keep them asleep but they're all kidnapped well yeah they've said that they're um when they in the beginning of the film they said they had four priority guests 
Mm. Which, you know, notably, what the game show guy wasn't one of them. No. It was like a guy <laughs> with oil money. It was the guy from like Tokyo. And then there was the two journalists, uh, the two reporters. Yeah. So. And they're taking, and you know, they're putting into like these sort of MRI looking machines and whatnot. And you're like, okay, so that's just setting up stuff for later. Um, but it's like, but they do put them back. They put them back in bed. They put them, you know, back back at, into the world. And she she has a she wakes up thinking she had a nightmare. So it's like, oh, something spooky's happened. But they don't really know anything serious has happened yet. Uh, but it's the next day where they go snooping around and sneak into like, the tunnels and stuff. And uh, eventually, uh, yeah, this is so weird. Actually, they find a big chamber where, and I wasn't sure exactly. Because up until this point, like, the impression I get is that they're building robots. And we see, like, them fixing parts of robots that are on tables and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's this machine where they kind of, like, form out of triangles. It's, like, a really sort of dated effect. It's, it's like they're teleporting in, like, Star Trek almost. Um, but I think it's meant to just be, a mach- like, a printer. This printing, like, full robots. But it, it prints, like, three samurai and there's a big like, chase sequence where they're trying to like attack the the two journalists, and they're chasing them throughout this whole big uh, maintenance like industrial looking room until our new character, um, what was his name? Was it Harry? Was it Duffy? <laughs> Is it Duffy? Duffy and Frankie? I think so. I think Duffy was, was it Duffy. Right. Okay, so Duffy, Duffy played by Arthur Hill, he shows up and like turns them off. And it turns out he's just this nice maintenance guy who invites them for a drink. Uh, and he's got a robot that's bald, but is missing a face. And I, th- I think the implication the entire time is that this is Yul Brenner's old robot that he's found and is sort of turned into his friend who just like hangs out and drinks with him. Right. I missed that this time. But I think I, now that you say that, I think I remember thinking that in the first time I watched this. It's like, yeah. oh, is that supposed to be Yul Brenner? I think it is. It's Why not- do they make him so pale? <laughs> <laughs> it's just because they have to like cover his head with fake skin so they can put in that robotic bit at the front uh so it's like underneath a layer but you can sort of tell that his head's too thick because of it <laughs> yeah uh so it's, it's kind of a dodgy uh practical effect I don't, I don't think it's duffy anymore now that you said he was played by arthur oh. hill i think that's a different guy oh, yeah, it's a different guy okay maybe it was harry i, I can't remember his name but it was, it was the maintenance guy um he like it turns out he knows the guy that died at the start like the whistleblower turns out he worked with him and it's just as they find that out that the you know the the, the evil head scientist guy who's kind of like the been shown to be the the real villain of the movie. Like every time we see him, he's very stern. He doesn't like that those people snooping around. He's really like strict with his uh, robots, and he's like, "We'll never have another accident. It's fail safe." Like he keeps saying that, but he shows up with some guards, and he's like, "Oh, you've went snooping at three a.m. We don't appreciate that. We'll escort you back to your room." Like that that sets up that uh peter fonda wants to come and talk to this guy again and find out like you know who who was who the first guy was what's going on uh and sure enough this guy as soon as he finds out his friend is dead from the start of the movie he's like yeah i'll help you yeah there's these places that don't let me go let's go snooping around some more so that leads to some more snooping later yeah. on so i think i think it's harry i looked at oh, harry okay yeah uh, the problem is, I think Duffy is Arthur Hill. I believe is the the guy in charge of Dallas. Yeah, he but he's like the friendly one, not the evil scientist dude. Yeah, that's Doctor Schneider. Of course, it's Schneider. Correct. Um, yeah, Harry. Can't trust the German doctors. The actor who's playing um Harry, uh, he doesn't have a beard in his photo on IMDb, so I had no hope of recognizing him. 
Yeah. He's, he's got a very big... full beard in this one. Yeah, he's got a big beard. Uh, so, yeah. Apparently he was in Death Wish. Oh, okay. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so he's a good actor. The, um... The middle, the middle of the movie, uh, or, or from here on, like, obviously, Peter Fonda goes back to him as soon as he can to, like, find out what's going on. And they end up doing this whole thing where they kidnap a robot because they need robot eyes to get into this secret room uh, where a big stuff, big things are going to be revealed. What really bugged me here is that, so Peter Fonda sneaks away right after the dream bit, right? Because she's in the dream machine, he's looking at the dream, and as soon as they're like, oh, we better go wake her up, uh, he sneaks off and goes to the maintenance guy and starts snooping with him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. whereas Tracy's still with the, the people in charge and she's like, oh, I don't know where that sneaky guy's off to again. You know what he's like. He's very suspicious and she's been all nice to them. What bothered me here is that by the time Peter Fond and the maintenance guy are ready to use their robot eyes that they've, they've stole to like, get into the secret room, we cut to them like going to that, that door again and now Tracy's just with them and I was like, did I miss a scene where they went and got her? Or like she went up and met oh, up with I didn't them? Yeah. It was weird. It was like you were just with the bad guys, and now you're suddenly here, here with that. I don't know. It was, it was like a weird. It was like there was a missing scene or something, just to make that transition mm-hmm. feel right. But yeah. Um. So, yeah. Anyway, as was the the question is Tara, did you, and the first time, obviously not so much this time. Uh, did you predict what Delos was up to? Um, I want to say that I predicted why they were scanning them like why yeah. they were being abducted yes that was the big i hint. don't know yeah. that i predicted the end of which you haven't said yet so i'll wait yeah well they go into the secret room and the big reveal is that they are making robots that look like them that are copies that are they're going to replace them in the real world with and presumably kill the original people in fact we see them give well, they all- say like that's your yeah. order yeah they, they say <laughs> your first directive is to yeah. take care of your replacement so yeah. so robot peter fonda's tasked with killing real peter fonda uh and so on which actually i think is one of the biggest weirdest plot holes of this whole movie is that the big final act like big set piece is that their two main characters are individually chased down by their doppelganger robots right and all i could think was okay but this is going on in a bit because they're chasing and they're escaping they're fighting they're whatever and i'm like if you just sent like some red shirts with the bad robot to like kill it like it would be more efficient and it would probably succeed more lately instead they somehow don't run into anyone no matter how much of like it, like places they run through and like have this yeah. chase especially peter fonda who goes through the whole shuttle area where the spaceship thing is and i'm like there's not a single maintenance a- a robot or person like kicking around that's going to see any of this um, well even like uh uh arthur hill like points a gun at peter fonda and it's just like let me tell you my master plan or whatever. Mm. And just like, don't you want him dead? Like, why wouldn't you just kill him? You have a gun on him right now. And he's go- got nothing on you. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of lost over that. Yeah, so after they see all this, they're obviously wanting to immediately leave. And he- Harry wants to, you know, the maintenance guy, he wants to like, you know, he's got a route to escape out underground. So he's going to go and do that. He says goodbye to his robot. But our journalists go back to their room and he, and this really bugged me as well. This is a stupid thing is that he tries to make a... He calls the operator. He's staying at the Delos Hotel in Delos World and says, hey, operator, can I make a long-distance call to my, my news reporter man? And I'm like, why do you no. think they're not monitoring your calls or aren't going to, like, stop you from doing that? I mean... Why would you go back to your room at all? I know. It, it, 
so at sure, least you thought maybe Tracy was there. I don't see any other reason to go back. But to... she was with him. They were they were together already. Yeah, so like there's zero reason. Yeah, um, they go back to pack because their their clothes are important to take with them. I guess even though they're clearly going to be assassinated. <laughs> Buy new clothes. Uh, so yeah, that's where uh Duffy the the, the he's he's because he's been the nice one. The scientist has been clearly evil the whole time. Whereas the other guy's been like presented as like, oh, I'm a nice man. I, you know, I want the company to do well. I want you to like have free access to everything. But he shows up with his gun, which, by the way, fires like futuristic, uh, explosive lasers or something like that. Like it's not just bullets. Like, there's little explosions that happen every time they fire this little pistol. Actually, um, I did. I didn't like it too much because it kind of confused me. If you were, like, if you if you shot at a robot and it made a spark. I thought that would be like a good way to decide. Uh, yeah. Like, so like when someone's shooting at another person and their doppelganger, I don't know if they're shooting, which maybe is the point. I don't know if they're shooting their their robot person or not. Yeah, I think. You know. My my bigger problem with this, all in just some of the stupid decisions that are made by the characters that we've mentioned, is that so he's got him at gunpoint and he starts. He keeps saying, you know, you can't, you know, humans can't be trusted to run the world. And I went, mm-hmm. wait, are you a, a robot? And then obviously after he fights back and they have their struggle uh, because Tracy jumps out and throws something at him and they have a bit of a struggle. Pulls out his butterfly knife. Yeah. And sticks it in his face and r- reveals the Delos guy is also a robot. Yeah. And then Peter Fonda, you know, before he does it, he says oh, he was too strong. There's no way he's just a person. And that's why he you know goes to check. And sure enough, it's a robot. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But like... He was also kind of saying it with the dialogue of like, Humans can't be trusted. It's our turn. Well, th- that's what I was saying. I-, I was getting a little bit muddy messaging with that because this entire time I was looking at this as, oh, this is evil capitalism. In fact, hell, look at what's going on right now. Hollywood want to use AI instead of people for like half the jobs. And that's why people are striking. Not the only reason, but that's yep. one of the reasons. And I felt like this movie was about the evil corporation of Delos wanting to control everything, and that's why they're put, you know they're getting people in important positions and they're swapping them out with doppelgangers so they control the world, right? That's what they're doing. And yep. the idea that this guy is also just a robot, it made it all, the way he was talking almost made it sound like it was more like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where the robots themselves are taking over the world. And I'm yeah, not- or like a Stepford Wives situation, yeah. But I'm not actually sure. Well, that Stepford Wives is the opposite, though. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, it, it is because it, it's still humans in charge. Yeah, it's still the men that are in charge of the waves. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the scientist man still felt like a person. So I, I guess there's still at least one human, you know. But it doesn't. It doesn't feel like he's the person who's but in charge of everything, though. He's not do, the head of the company. Do we know that he's a, a person? Like we assume so, but like it we was, can also assume that everybody at Delos is is actually a machine. I in think, which case, they just want people to come in and so they could slowly replace them and then everybody's a machine but they still want to make money because like if you if you are robots and you want an uprising i guess you would have to like i don't know get enough people to come to the park and replace them first let let, let me make this clear it's not that there's anything wrong with the idea the robots themselves are trying to take over and it's them themselves that have like done this that's fine the problem is, is that the movie I don't think builds up enough, like, and that because they kind of that that plot kind of happens in the show at some point, and it's fine because at that point it feels like no, we've we have followed these robot characters, and the fact that they want to like rise up, they want to fight back, is deeply seated in the characters and in the story. Here, 
when he starts talking about it's not it's just uh, like humans can't be trusted we're going to take over it's it feels out of nowhere and i felt like the whole movie was about an evil corporation who were like doing this so they could be in control and i just mm-hmm. it, it felt like a weird shift to me like and you can make the shift even i don't even have a problem with making a shift and it turning out no no there's no humans in charge it's all robots i just don't think it does enough with it if that's what's happening i don't think the movie makes a big enough deal of the fact that no 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 the robots themselves have chosen this and they're going to do this and part of that problem might be that scientist character who still feels like a human at the end you know he feels like he's pissed off like a human would be and i think it's unclear if it's still human beings that you know a couple of greedy one percenters who want to control the world and they're in charge of everything or is it just the robots i don't think it's clear at the end of this film which one it is and i think that's a problem because i think both ideas are fine but i think you have to commit to one by the end and sort of like make your mission statement and i don't think it does yeah i agree with that actually because i think i think you're right that it it gets a little bit muddy like if you want to have if this is like another version of an invasion of the body snatchers where humans are slowly being replaced by something else, I think that is a cool story. And I think that is a really cool twist. Um, I think also, but if you have it so that no, this is just a greedy corporation that is slowly replacing all of its employees with robots that they don't have to actually pay, that they now have a slave labor basically. And the, uh, and they don't mind murdering people and replacing them with robots strategically so that they can keep getting people to come to the park and make more and more money. And it's just greed motivated. That is also a good, like a good sci-fi story. But having both in there is confusing. Yeah, because even... And like... they don't like... The, the the two are kind of at odds with each other yeah even uh what's his name duffy you know the guy who has them at gunpoint the guy who's been like nice to them and running the place he keeps saying oh we're just replacing people with you know people who are still them but have some other things programmed in like you know they'll only do what's best for delos it still sounds like they're operating for a higher power and maybe if you went further you could maybe say oh delos is actually like an ai who's like the operating system or something it's not really a you know people at the top anymore but it doesn't give us anything I mean, to suggest that. Is that where Westbrook that. goes? I didn't actually finish it, but like, no, wasn't no. It like season four. Well, I don't know. I never watched season four, but uh, mm. but I I don't like. It never. I'm just like proposing that as a potential idea. The movie doesn't give me anything to say that's what's happening. I'm just adding that in as a possible explanation. It's actually Proteus from Demon Seeds running the whole park. <laughs> <laughs> So I just I don't think they 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 commit to the idea at the end either way. The the idea of replacing people's fine and that that works well enough, but whether or not there's like evil people at the top of the food chain who are doing this to control everything, or this is an AI uprising where they're taking over because they think humans can't be trusted to run things, those are both interesting, but it needed to pick one and like make it clear that that's what it is, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's just a shame. I would agree with that, yeah. But yeah. still, like, a pretty, pretty fun, fascinating, like, sci-fi for a continuation of Westworld, which we, I think, we're both in agreement that was kind of like, was was a good premise, but not not really fully living up as, to its sci-fi potential. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think our... It was more just like, let's just go to a park where the park attractions come to life. And it, 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 yeah, it didn't do enough <laughs> with it. And I think at the end of that review, we were both like, you know what? 
between Terminator and Jurassic Park, all the good things about this movie were done better in other movies, you know, mm-hmm. afterwards, right? Uh, Westworld, and even the, the first season of Westworld. Maybe we, even the first two seasons. Westworld walked so that Terminator and Jurassic Park could run, you know? And yeah. that that's that's perfectly fine. That's somehow times how things work, is that you have like <laughs> a, a, a decent idea and then someone takes it later and turns it into absolute, you know, gold. Yeah, but. Agreed. So anyway, the big final act to this is, you know, you've got Doppelganger Tracy chasing Doppelganger Tracy. It, it turns out apparently she's quite good at shooting. Her dad taught her to shoot. So they have like a kind of, like, they end up in Westworld itself, which which is deserted. And they have like a, you know, a quick draw style moment. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I don't know how everyone ended up with one of these futuristic guns in their hands. Like, it felt like there was one from the one guy that had one. And then all of a sudden, like, both Peters had one, both Tracys had one. <laughs> That's a very good point. I don't, I don't, I definitely did not keep track of where yeah. all the guns were coming from. Yeah, they're just, if all of a sudden, uh, I mean, the robots fair game, they could have just had them on them, but like the fact that Peter and Tracy both had them, and I'm saying Peter's, so I should say Chuck, but you know what I mean? Um, the fact that they both had one is like, wait, okay, you've doubled your guns somehow, and I don't know where you get the second one from, but, uh, but she's, I think it's quite obvious that the real Tracy wins her fight, right? It's very clear which one goes down. Whereas with Peter Fonda, they have their whole chase sequence and they end up on the rafters of this, you know, next to the space shuttle thing and one pushes the other off. And I think the movie is trying to convince you that the robot won. Like, the the, the look in his face, the way it plays It's very it. cold. It's yeah. very unemotional. Yeah. And... Um, but I would say that if Tracy also turned out to be a robot, like, I would be like, oh, okay. Like, I guess I don't know for sure which one survived. Because you get, like, a top-down view, and, like, before it was establishing, oh, this Tracy on the left is a robot, this one on the right is the yeah. is the human, and they kind of do a top-down view, but it could have been swapped, like, and I would have been like, okay, I guess that was... That would trick, be cheap, you know? no, because it was still the one, the one on the right was definitely the one that was left standing, so if they did some trickery there, I would have said bullshit. I would have critiqued that, I would have said that was unfair. It was such a dark set, though, so, like, it, it was just the trick of a camera angle. It would have been but, fine. No, it doesn't matter, though. It's it, it's very clear. It doesn't matter how dark it is. It's right and left. The right one's real, the left one's not. The left one went down. If they tried to convince me later that the robot Tracy somehow was the winner, I'd have said, no, you're lying to me. You're, you're cheating this for the twist. And they didn't do that. <laughs> okay. So, okay. um... And my only critique of this, because obviously at the very, very end, because they, you know, they, they're going, they're leaving the park, they're going past the evil scientist, and they speak the way that they think you'll expect them to. Um, and just as before they get on the train, um, the injured robot Tracy stumbles out and says, it's not, not us. And the scientist looks down at the train and Peter Fonda just flips him off <laughs> before he jumps he on the train. He does a double flip off. He gives yeah. him the bird and he does the up yours at the same time. <laughs> um, what a cool guy. <laughs> And right before they talk to him, actually, there's a moment where he runs into Tracy and he kisses her, but he still looks really cold, which is explained after the fact by him not being sure if she's the real Tracy or not. So he acted cold in case it was the fake Tracy and kissed her. And his whole plan, of course, at this point for both of them was to pretend to be the robot so they could get out and tell the world. My only critique of this is that Peter Fonda looked cold the second he was standing on that rafter looking down at the dead robot. And I'm like, why would you be acting cold right now? No one's around. And, and like, not out of breath, at least. Yeah, yeah. like, 
you're still in the heat of the moment. I don't buy that you've just instantly been to character. You know, you're just like, oh no, I'm in character now. I'm 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 robot Peter Fonda because I have I to think pretend both, to be. I think both of them should have ended with just the shot of a gun going off. Mm. And like you could hear somebody fall or something, you know? And then that way we don't know. We I don't know who survived. I think you could see someone fall. I think you just don't you just don't look back up the other one. You know, you just see like a dead Peter because you know, it could be either, right? If it's just a body lying in the ground. Um yeah. you just don't show the other one. And then that would be because it was a genuine surprise to me when it turned out to be really him. I I thought they were going to do a thing where they got out and she's like, "Oh, it's really me." Oh, that's what you know. What are we going to do? And then he'd be like, "What are you talking about, Tracy?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, the other like small critique. It's not as big a deal, but it is kind of like a, a bit lame for the ending. Is that? Once they're out, we just see like her hang up the phone. He's like, "Yep, they know everything. They're going to tell the world on TV, so everyone will know." Fade to credits, and I'm like, "Yeah, wait, they just believe you?" <laughs> like, she's Barbara no, Walters. There's no convincing of anyone. You don't have to show proof. Like, I don't know. It just it felt a bit like easy at the end. They just they make one phone call. So that's it. It's on TV. <laughs> like it's yeah. done. Yeah. A little invasion of the body snatchers that way. It's a little, yeah, the original, yeah. It's just a little easy and a bit convenient that it just feels like, okay, I thought, I thought it would be harder than that, but all right. Um, but, I mean, as much as I'm poking holes at some of the things in it, I, I do, like I said, I like that it sets up that there's characters with a purpose, that I, I they're definitely better characters than the guys in the first movie. I, I'll stand by that. Um, some of the, you know, sets they go into are kind of cool. Um, I do appreciate that it's not just the robots go bad again. It's a very different <laughs> plot. Um, it still fits into the themes, which is good. But it does get kind of muddy, you know, with, with its ultimate like sci-fi ideas. Like it, it doesn't really pick one over the other, and it left me feeling like I wasn't sure what it was trying to say between the two of them. Uh, obviously, you can say what it's saying if you pick one yourself and say, okay, if it's this, then it's saying that. If it's the other one, then it's saying this. And they both work, but kind of separate from each other. Um, that said, though, um you know i I would lean more towards the evil corporation thing because the entire film feels like it's about that i think if you're doing the you know no robots are uprising because they don't like how they're being treated i feel like those are themes that weren't present in the film up until the potential of that one speech that he gives yeah i don't know if it's it's more of like the thing that the robot says that makes you think oh okay this is like a robot uprising or like they're taking over it's not so much like they don't like being treated it's that no, yeah. humans are going to destroy the world so we have to take over because then if they destroy the world that's illogical yeah which again you'd have to go into it more than that i guess i guess the one thing that is there is that yul brenner faceless yul brenner does seem sad that he does uh harry's leaving so maybe that's your little hint that yeah okay like yeah. which i thought that was they were setting him up to like come in and save them at some point and it never happened like i thought the whole point of setting him up is that he was going to come in and use his gunslinger skills to save them it at was, the end it was just like a i don't know like it, it almost like he had a romance with him with harry yeah because i mean harry talks about like you know enjoying the taste of iron or something <laughs> harry, i don't like... think he was talking about that model though i think he was talking about uh, robot ladies but yes he, yeah, he, I'm sure he was, but like, <laughs> he seems to be awfully close to uh, the robots and a an intimate way, and I guess that's why he has a robot friend. Well, I, I think that's what I'm saying is like, if they went into this deeper, where okay, they discover a character who treats a robot like a friend, 
and it actually is a, a good example of how this robot learns to be kind because it's got a kind human who's befriended him and is teaching him yeah, what, what good right and wrong is. Yeah, and it's the most evil robot from the last film. Right. That, that, that could actually be quite a powerful story if they focused on it, but they, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't even see them again after he, like, he says goodbye and the robot looks sad, I don't think. Like, it's just, that's just kind of it. It's just over and, like, I guess, I guess kind of like the first film, there's a lot of good ideas in this, none of which are completely, like, some are more capitalised on than others, but I would say that all of them don't quite hit their potential. Like, there's some that get about 70% of the way there, and then there's ones like this where this actually could be fantastic if they if they did go down this path, but mm-hmm. they only do like maybe 25% of it. <laughs> they don't actually do the like most of the work to make it yeah. click. Uh, so it's kind, of, it's kind of a movie of missed opportunities. It's definitely a more interesting film than I thought it would be, though. Like, I think, you know, I just assumed it'd be a yeah, shock. Yeah, I was sequel. surprised about that when I watched it last year, too. Yeah. 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 All right, well, any final thoughts and your rating for Future World? Yeah, I had to look up what I rated uh, Westworld the first time because I think I'm going to give it something kind of close. Um, and I I do think that I'm impressed that for a sequel, they did have more ideas to go on. And like, uh, like you said, it's not just a repeat of the first movie because the first movie maybe was successful enough or like, or green lighting the sequel, do it again. You know, it kind of remind, reminds me of an older, like one of the Apes sequels from the 70s. We're like, okay, like each one of them has something interesting going on in this. It's not just a repeat, with the exception of maybe the second one. It's kind of a repeat for the first half. But the um, in any case, I, uh, I do think that the sci-fi stuff in it is very strong. If, you know, the... Gain its wires crossed a little bit. <laughs> no pun intended, but <laughs> you meant that. <laughs> I wish I did, but um, yeah. So I, I, I still will give it a positive rating. I, I'm gonna give it a six point five, and I'm proud to have the poster on my wall. Very nice. Yeah. Um, it's almost a meme at this point that I just go a little bit lower than you, but. I was thinking six as I was watching. You know, by the time we got to the second half and like some of the faults were really kind of, you know, sticking out a bit more, I was like, yeah, this is more of a six, I think. Um, it's, it's got ideas. It's it's definitely better than I thought it would be, and it's definitely at least got me thinking about things. But it's flawed and the execution's a bit all over the place, and you know, it's definitely. But I mean, it was interesting to talk about because there is so much ideas wise that are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the final score is 6.25, which I'm saying because I've started doing averages of our scores to say... What, what's the our, what's our average for Westworld? Did you do that one yet? I don't know. I, I, well, I've, I've got it filtered to 2023 because I, I was going to tell you where it slots in in the, 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 the league, the 2023 Ace League. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so Future World's right in the middle of the pack, right below Tron and right above Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, with a 6.25. Well, it's actually technically it's tied with Tron and tied with Night of the Comet. So if, if that sounds like reasonable company that it should be next to. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, uh, this is the first time I've ever brought this up because I just started doing it. Um, uh, the top of our league is a tie between Metropolis and District 9, which are both sitting at a 9.5. Nice. So that's very nice. Uh, and then Invasion of the Body Snatchers with an 8.75, The Martians get an 8.5, 1984's get an 8.25, uh, 
and then with us just the flat eight is the running man uh and then the, when did oh, we watch that when did we watch that that came out uh mid-february Okay, I have a bit of letterbox. The, the, the episode came out on the 17th of February, so, you know, go a few days back from that and <laughs> you're, you're slotted in. Um, more amusing, though, is the bottom end of the league, uh, which... <laughs> um, so the bottom movie... Can you guess, actually? Can you guess what the... the, the... Is it a bonus one we did? No, I've not rated the bonus ones yet. So I, I will do those at some point, but I've only done the regular episodes. Uh, it's got to be the second Transformers. With a 1.25, it is Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Just yeah. above that is Age of Extinction with a 3. Just above that is The Last Night with a 3.25. And just above that is Dark of the Moon with a 3.75. And then finally, 65 has uh, 4.75. So that's our first non-Transformers at the bottom end. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh... So yeah, I'll uh, if I if I remember, I might put some sort of visual on the screen to like show this list. But I, I, no promises, no promises. Maybe not for this episode because I have to like make some graphics for that. But um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, just the average between our two scores will be like the ace score for any given movie. Um, maybe I'll do like a special on Patreon or something at some point where once I've got all the numbers, I can talk about the the greater ranking. What did um, I rate uh, Running Man? Running Man, you gave that a 7. That was my instinct. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I've, I've put in the ratings for everything from this year and last year, and then I started from the start, and I'm up to September 2020. So I've, I've got about a year's worth of episodes. I've just over a year's worth of episodes to still put the ratings in for. Um, Westworld may have been in that time. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've not done Westworld yet. It's in that. It's in that un unentered period. But mm. there you go. Um, there you go. Uh, as of right now, we have two films that have got a perfect ten. But it'll be three, I'm sure. It was definitely a third one that I've not got to yet. Um, so maybe we'll have like a little like Hall of Fame like perfect ten club where we both give tens. You mean like um, for the whole show? For the whole show. But you said you haven't updated everything. No, I think there's at least one more that I know of that I've not done yet. But these are movies where we both gave them a 10, so they have a perfect 10 average. Well, gotta be Terminator. <laughs> Correct. Alien. Correct. Aliens? I don't, I've not got to that yet. Or that Terminator 2. That depends on what you read that. No, Terminator 2 doesn't. Uh, the, the third one that I know will will be 2001. I've not got oh, to that one okay. yet. Uh, Aliens could be... I don't remember what you rated that, though. Uh, you may have given that like an 8.5 just to skew it. Because you're evil. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may have done. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm... I might have. Maybe it, it could have just been because I I like Alien just a little bit more. Very possibly. Uh, also, much like much like Terminator, I like the first one just slightly more, so I put second one mm. just a half point down, um, which I'll maybe is unfair. Maybe they are both tens. Maybe know? we'll do like an easy little quick special uh, once I've finished this, and I can reveal like what the you know top batch of movies are and what the bottom batch of movies are, just so there's some okay. context for going forward. 
It's no homework for you. I could tell you what the lowest ones are other than those Transformers just now, but I've not finished yet, so there's probably some other stinkers to go in. Uh, what was the one with the butthole aliens? That was Captive State. That is the fourth lowest rated currently out of all mm. the ones I've done, with a 2.75. That was a bad movie. Yes. Um, yes, but there's two films lower than that, but above Revenge. Revenge of the Fallen is the lowest of the entire show. Right, at least I don't think there's anything that Terminator that. 3? Oh, that's a bit higher up. That's got a 3.75. That's okay. about 10 spots up from the bottom. I don't know what the voice ones would be. Well, one of them is a Terminator movie. Oh, is it Genesis? Genesis. Genesis is the third lowest. That's a, that's a terrible movie. With a 2.5. It was, it was actually on when my, my brother was visiting a couple weeks oh. ago, and I went and saw it, and my, both my dad and my brother were watching it. <laughs> I can't believe you're watching this crap. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept asking, like, what's happening here? I'm like, I, I, I literally just watched it and analyzed it, and I still am not able to explain, like, why this makes sense. Well, that was October 2019, <laughs> so I don't know if that counts as just watched it and analyzed it. but <laughs> It's close enough. I don't know how time works anymore, so. Well, essentially, since you know what the third and the, the, the lowest is, can you guess what that movie in between those two is? So the lowest of all time, again, I've not done them all yet, but out of the ones I've done, the lowest of all time is Revenge of the Fallen, the third lowest is Terminator Genesis, what's sandwiched between those two? With a flat two out of ten. Boy, we hated it, huh? <laughs> and for context- Was it one that you gave a one two and I gave a three two? It was. No, I don't know, what is it? Alien versus Predator Requiem. Ah, uh, Requiem. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a surprise. Not a surprise. But yeah. So, yes. Yeah, well, once I've got this done, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more, like a little quick special or something. But, uh, and I am, I've actually enlisted help from the audience to do it for Screams because there's so many Screams episodes to check. So, but. Yeah. I'll have a nice record eventually. You guys have been doing that for like eight years or something. That's about right, actually. 2015. Yeah, that first year and a half though was pretty shit. Like I would say the good episodes start <laughs> probably sort of late twenty sixteen, early twenty seventeen is where it really kind of found its groove. Just gotta do some uh, revisits for some films. We do, we do. Um, but anywho, uh, that was a little tangent at the end. But that has been our discussion on future. It wasn't actually a slightly shorter discussion. Cause it was only about an hour, so an extra little ten minutes on ace statistics. Uh, not not a bad time for it, but that that'll that'll do us for the show. Um, so yeah, six point two five is what it ended up with. Uh, let us know what you thought of the movie in the the comments, and I keep I keep meaning to tell people to like the YouTube video before we get to spoilers, just because you know, like oh, if you tell them to do it in the middle, like the you know, like, hey, do it like on its own, like it'll it'll sink in better. And I keep forgetting, but like the video. <laughs> also, I always like our videos. That's support the <laughs> well i'm glad you do but i mean the, the audience should be doing it um yeah so you can support all the content and get bonus stuff over at patreon.com slash tv um every month you get a bonus episode at the three dollar tier um the next one uh so so tara is like away for well not away necessarily but she's she's off from recording uh for almost a week. It actually doesn't affect this. Uh, the timing of the week actually works out that we should have the next episode up as normal, which, for the record, will be Empire Strikes Back to close off 
second movie month. What so. a stinker. <laughs> I may say that. We'll find out next week, won't we? Um, you do hate Star Wars. But, uh, yeah. But uh, the bonus episode may be a little bit late on Patreon uh, for people who are on Patreon. But it's coming, and it's a sequel to tie into the all the twos. Uh, we'll be doing Mimic 2 on Patreon. So, uh, Electric look forward, Boogaloo. Look forward to that. Uh, but at the five dollar tier, you get the Ace Meltdown, which is more of a casual, just movie and other stuff catch up show that me and Tara do every month. In fact, the new one, uh, by the time this goes out, the newest one will have just went out on Patreon, and uh, we talk about what movies we've been watching just casually. Uh, we even talk a little bit about video games and uh, anything else. TV shows got a bit of a talk this time, and we used to do quizzes at the start of the show, like sci-fi movie quizzes. We sort of switched it up this past episode, and we did, we did the sort of discussion thing where we tried to pick like the sci-fi Mount Rushmore's of various sci-fi topics. Um, and we'll be doing that at the start of Meltdown for a few months at least, um, while we can still think of topics. But it was, a, it was a nice little sort of conversation, like, spark to get us debating things. So, if that sounds like fun, it was like a two-hour-plus episode. If uh, more of us yammering at each other for two hours sounds like a good time, you can get that yep. on Patreon. So, anyway, that's the show. That's it. Talk Come on over and get to know us a little bit better. Maybe a bit too much. I'll, t- I'll tell you some uncomfortable truths about myself, everyone. <laughs> You'll know too much. <laughs> All my deep, dark secrets. Yeah, that's the paid content. <laughs> Mail fuzz after dark. <laughs> we do swear on those shows, actually, because it's uh, not good on YouTube publicly, so we can just drop f-bombs as much as we like so it, we are it, very salty people it does happen a little bit uh but that is the show that is the atomic sam experiment thank you for joining us for future world we'll see you next time for a much bigger uh, number two uh nice. <laughs> this is the empire strikes back we'll see you then keep watching the science fiction movies a computer at salsa